Hey everybody, it's Joel from Deep Board Game Mechanics. Uh, I'm with here as always. Hey guys, it's Jason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, that is me. That's my full name. It's on my social security card and everything. Uh, uh, no, I'm here with... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. I forgot. What I can't even try. I was even trying to say something different there, and I can't do it. I I, I forget about the what's going on. Uh, uh, yeah. So, dude, uh, I guess I've made a made a realization. We're a podcast. Like, I think we've been trying to be a YouTube channel too, but we're a podcast. I mean, let's just let's just face facts. We're a podcast. We have faces made for podcasting. <laughs> That we do. <laughs> so, no, I think the podcast is our, our main thing here, and I'm glad you guys found it because it sort of feels like, I don't know, I think this is our, our favorite thing to do, and it's probably our best thing we do. And I don't know, it feels like people don't find it very well. So I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, thanks for being here. And, like, seriously, I like we don't mean this in vain at all. Our fans are so awesome. Like, seriously, so awesome. Like, a renewed vigor for how cool the fans are. Um, got to play games with someone who I guess is kind of a fan of the podcast, but is more of a friend. And then just, man, some of the appreciation that we've received from you guys is amazing. And um, I don't want to ball people out personally because they've done some cool things. And I think they've done it not to be like, uh, I guess, I don't know, publicized on the on the podcast or whatever. And I don't want to solicit people doing whatever. So anyway, thank you. You know who you are. You're awesome. Like, seriously. Um and and all the fans, just awesome. Uh, just love the support, and it keeps us in here energized, going every week. Yeah, I agree. Even the fans that have negative things to say, we still love you anyway. Of which there are a lot. There are like two of them. There's not many Maybe. of those. Yeah, yeah. Not many. That's okay though. Uh, I just I ignore them, I guess. Um, and we had a whole like hype group going over on our, our social media stuff before tonight, just kind of talking about everything. And um, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, some good networking happening there. And if honest to goodness, if you're on Facebook and you aren't in our group called The Riveted, like you really should think about jumping on there because we have a lot of fun. Uh, and once we get to know you, there's like The Riveted and then there's like The Riveted exclusive black tie edition or something. And that, that group, if once we get to know you, you get in there. So, I mean, uh, just come around, hang around, post a little. And, like, we, I promise, we'll interact with you a lot. Like, we don't have that many people that we hang out with out there. So, I don't know. It's just cool that our community is as cool as it is. That's what I'm just trying to say. So, thank you, everybody in the community. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of my highlights to most days is when the chat gets going. Although, sometimes I do shut it down because it gets a little crazy. But it is good conversation. And, yeah, I have got to hang out with a couple of those people outside of the chat and that's good times the the conversation oh boy it it's been really something today i guess more on that a little bit later <laughs> i mean it's always something every day <laughs> I, listen i i ate a pint of ice cream before we got on this this skype call jason that's awesome that's gonna make some of the some of the fans happy it makes the i don't know what it does it makes the <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> It winds up the chortle machine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, something actually kind of serious, though, Jason. We have something kind of cool happening. Um, Protospiel, do you you know much about Protospiel, Jason? Uh, I don't know a ton, but I'm assuming that it's where, like, uh, budding designers go and take some games that they're working on, kind of play test it and stuff. Yep. It's like a really cool big play testing kind of group. There's a few sites around the Midwest. We'll get this. One of our people in the Riveted, uh, Tim, shout out to Tim. I think, man, I think maybe we need to try and have Tim on the show once we're done with this top 100. But he's been really important in facilitating getting Protospiel to South Bend, which is really close to me and not too far from you. But there's going to be Protospiel South Bend happening in February. I'm almost positive it's February 20th or so. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that. But we'll have information on our Facebook page where you can get more information about this. Um, but it's it's really cool. You can go there and get a badge right now with the code EARLYBIRD and get a badge for 10 bucks off. Um, and I am going to be there. Um, I'm going to be representing the board game mechanics there. And if we can get uh, Jason's writer figured out where he – what is it? You want just green M&Ms in your green room and – 
Like and I want all green and one red. I want to look for the red. That makes me happy. Just find that that sweet little red M M&M and M amidst all the green. I get it. I no, I get it. <laughs> and no, it, I I would like to come to this too. I think it would be neat, but I don't know if I can swing it. But I would like to. Yes. Ah, uh, we're gonna make it happen, Jason. There's gonna be a lot of peer pressure. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> so the other the other part of your writer is that you you demand to be called your eminence. Hey guys. What's happening? It's me, Jason. I don't remember what your intro is now that you say. <laughs> That's going to be on my, my name badge. <laughs> so uh, if you use the code EARLYBIRD, though, you do get a little discount right now. Uh, pay attention to the show, though, because we will get, we will have Tim on. He'll give us more information about it. I'm I'm pretty sure we did a bad, as bad a job describing Protospiel as I did describing Australia last week. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, I don't know, dude. I think, I think it was all right. Yeah. Cthulhu on train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Protospiel, not Australia. Oh yeah, Protos- yeah, yeah. Protospiel was was good. Was good. So I'm gonna bring my prototype to Protospiel. I think I think I've been convinced that I should do that. Um, but my prototype, I'm gonna just talk about it for a second because I haven't really been public with it. But it's basically my game is you run a farm and you put crops into fields and you use a die to represent how lucky you are with how your crop turns out that year. Uh, kind of to some degree, but you can mitigate it with some different equipment and things you can buy. But you're really running a like 1950s farm, and I wanted to have folksy art that's like, you know, Norman Rockwell esque, and and uh, I don't know. It's just it's a fun game that I made, and it's kind of just like a, a love letter to my heritage, my grandfather who you know like farmed on this kind of like situation in the 1950s in Indiana. So my game's called Hoosier, um, but I've got some really good feedback from the guys on our on our social media page and some of the feedback includes um getting bigatures like miniatures but big of cthulhu and jeans i thought that was pretty cool that that would be awesome dude i would back that game with that <laughs> and then the uh the variable player powers where um whatever player power jason's playing as can be attacked even though it's not an attacking game i don't like that one i'm out <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, uh, it's something that I think I am going to take there and just see what happens. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun making a proto. I don't know if I'm ready to see if people think my baby's ugly or not yet, but we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would be a safe place to try it out. Yeah, I like, think so, real, too. Really? Yeah, no, for real. Well, cool. Um, Jason, I kind of went long with this, uh, so can you keep the news short? Sure can. And we're done. Oh, no news this week. Cool. Yeah, I don't have any news. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into Games Played, I guess. Okay, so uh, last weekend I played some Lords of Waterdeep, but I think it was the weekend before that I played a more advanced version of Lords of Waterdeep, essentially, and it's called Yido. So I don't know how much you know about Yido, but it's a worker placement game. And what you're, you're like these wannabe samurais or you're samurais in training or something. And you're going around to the different locations to recruit geishas to um, f- get some additional contract cards that are like missions from the head honcho guy so you can complete them. But the, the trick here is you're getting these cards, which are the contracts, and you have to collect these certain resources, and you have to have your people in certain locations on the board to complete them. And the goal of the game is to try to complete as many of those as you can, to maybe go along with some in-game goals that you can pick up throughout the game. But another funky thing is there's this little guy that moves around the center of the board, kind of like that jerk in Kalos. And if he goes to the location where your guy is, or where you have a guy... You will get arrested and and you lose that guy until you go get him out of like the jail or whatever. So if you're not thinking ahead of where that guy's going to move to, he can come slap you around and then you have less workers to play with. So it's a pretty simple and straightforward game, has some auctioning um, and then just strictly worker placement after that set collection. I dig it. So if you like Lords of Waterdeep, but you wanted a game that's a little bit deeper, I would suggest Yido. And that's a game that I played. Here's what I knew about your seemingly rhetorical question about I don't know what you know about Yido. I guess it's a statement. Um here's what I do know about it. It's it's Gamer Lords of Waterdeep and it's republished every four months by a new company, it seems. 
Could be. So if you missed the last Kickstarter, don't worry. It'll be on Kickstarter again with an even more deluxe edition in uh, like four or five months. I don't know. Yeah, I have the one from uh, Pandasaurus, I think, in the red box. That's the only one I've ever seen. I think there's a, there was one on Kickstarter like a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That's the newest one, I think. But I don't know any other ones other than the red one, though. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, neato. I might be thinking of something else, too. This is one of those things where I go out on a limb and I sound stupid, which I guess is just a thing. It's fine. <laughs> it's not just you. I do it, too. <laughs> uh, Jason, I played I played a few games over the weekend, but I, I don't want to talk about this one, but I want to put a footnote. I played Zulkin for the first time in, like, over two years, probably. And that's a shame that it's been that long because this game is awesome and it grew on me a ton. And I ranked it 87. And if I had played it more recently, like this year, my taste in games has changed enough that this would be a top 40 game for me probably. So I just wanted to mention this game is criminally underrated in my list uh, at number 87, Zulkin. Uh, that's not the game I'm going to talk about though. I'm going to talk about a game that uh, I just got from Kickstarter last week. It's called On the Underground and it has the London and Berlin map on it. It's uh, it's a little different game. It's it's okay. It's like the game is basically this: the most simple thing you can do in a game is just lay down pieces of track that connect to a track that's already there. No card collection, no set collection, nothing. You just put down little wooden pieces of track. Lightest, simplest thing you could do in a game, I think. But then from there, you have to make calculations on how this little passenger is going to ride the subway, and you have to like. There's like a whole algorithm on how you're going to do it. It's like. Uh, if then, if if walking is less, then take this path. If walking is equal, then take this path. If route number is this, then take this. If X equals X, then Y equals A. Like, it's just this crazy, like, like set of rules that you have to follow. And it takes, like, a whole set of math to figure out which lines this writer's going to take. And by the end of the game, I kind of had it down. But it's, it's crazy. This game's like this simple, light, family weight game where you're just creating railway lines. And then for whatever reason, the rules for figuring out how to get this guy to ride different subways get really complicated. But basically, it's so similar to Ticket to Ride in some ways, like looking. There's four cards laid out. There's these pads that you're putting down. But then it's it's different because he's always going to go to two of the ticket locations. He's going to go to an express route if he can, and then he's going to go to a typical spot if he can. And he, you're just basically trying to get this guy to have the easiest route to take to his next location. And... By having him ride your lines, you get some points. By going into certain hubs, like junctions, you get an extra point. And by going to the end of the lines, like the end of the underground, London Underground, you get a couple points. Connect a couple points of interest, you get some points. So it's just getting points by laying down tracks, doing a bunch of different stuff like that. It's a really pretty addition that I got with this deluxe. It was actually pretty cheap, if I remember right. Um, it's from Luda, Luda Works? I don't know. I don't remember the name of the game. Uh, the name of the company, the name of the game is on the underground, but it's uh, it's not a bad game, but it's just, it's like the most simple game ever with the most difficult, complicated kind of like calculation about where you're going to send this passenger after you do this real simple, simple action. So it's something that I think you can play with about anybody, but you're going to need somebody pretty familiar with the game who's able to basically do all the math of figuring out how this passenger is going to ride trains afterwards. That's cool. Yeah. The company is Luda Creations. There you go. Luda yeah, I, all, all I know is the picture looked like Ticket to Ride, so I just assumed it was like Ticket to Ride. It's it's not. It's actually maybe weird to say. It might be a little lighter than. Eh, it's not because it gets kind of brain burning at some points where you're like trying to figure out how to maximize your routes. Oh, another way you can get points too is by encapsulating other stops. So also Cthulhu and blue jeans. So that's <laughs> that was a stretch goal. <laughs> well, yeah. No, but that's on the underground. Pretty cool game. Really enjoy it. And that's that's it for me, man. Um, but Jason, remember our fans that we talk about that who are who are pretty cool? Yep, I do remember them. Well, guess what? This is like you need more incentive to go hang out with us over on the on the social media stuff. We are picking a not random, a chosen person off of the the Facebook group. Uh, that we're going to have call in and leave a little voicemail about what they've been playing. And so our first one, I guess we have for you guys right now. Hey, guys. Scott from The Riveted. 
just calling to tell you about some games I've been playing lately. First up's Craftsman from 2013. Your merchants, um, you're taking raw materials, turning them into finished goods, putting them on ships and shipping them out. There's a lot going on in this game. Uh, there's four different colors of money, different colors of buildings. You have to match them up to do, be able to do them. Auction bidding, set collection. Like I said, a lot going on. Bring your ibuprofen for this one. Uh, Captains of the Gulf from 2018 and Spielworks. Fishing in the Gulf. Uh, Rondell, multi-use cards, pick up and deliver. It's got some event cards in it like Snowdonia. Uh, really great game. Really tight. Can't do everything you want to do. Then we got New Bedford from 2016 and Dice Me. It's a worker placement game where you're going out, you're fishing, uh, whaling in 18th century fishing town, trying to get whales in to make money, to trade them in for money and get points from those. There's also some tile placement and worker placement in it. Really great game. Then Roads and Boats from 2019. It's a logistics city building game. Splatter game. Really tough. Uh, it, it, it is a difficult game. You're, you're going to start with very little and build up. Uh, then Gandhi, the colonization of British India, 2019 GMT. So this game too is probably Root. Root is, uh, you know, different factions, asymmetrical, uh, at different wind conditions, um, different abilities. It's a really cool game. It, it's a little bit different because it does, it, although it's a war game, it has civil disobedience and strikes and protests. And I just want to thank Joel and Jason for Board Game Mechanics. Love it. I love the the riveted community. Uh, you guys are all my friends, and everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. So that's Scott. Uh, Scott's been with us for a while. Uh, he's got really similar tastes in games to to both of us, I guess, but I think he particularly matches your tastes, honestly. Yeah, he likes Kingdom Builder a little too much, but other than that, he's a good, a good dude. Yeah, good sense of humor. Really nice guy. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so on the games he he played, the one that's really I'm super into right now uh, is Roads and Boats, and uh, Kerwink a little wink at somebody for that too. But Roads and Boats is uh, man, it's a cool game. It's I don't know if you know much about it, Jason, but it's like you put all these hexes down and then you lay this plastic sheet over the hexes to draw your roads over the hexes, which doesn't sound that cool, but it really is. But it's it kind of reminds me a little of Minecraft almost. It's like you start off with like some logs and a donkey and you build a whole transportation empire with it. And eventually you want to be building mints and treasuries and selling stocks. And it just seems like the awesomest game ever. I'm really hoping to play this one soon. So roads and boats really sparked my interest on the stuff he's been playing. What about you? Yeah. The one game that I heard that he's been playing is called craftsman. Yeah. And this is the designer that did Thrash and Roll, which those are two drastically different games. Like, Craftsman is like this super heavy, like, complex Euro that just melts your brain. And Thrash and Roll is about being in a rock band in the 80s in Poland. <laughs> but yeah, that game's one one I've been wanting. And if I could find it and it wasn't a billion dollars, it might as well be a billion dollars. I would like to play it. So that made me a little jealous. Is it rare or is it just a big game that costs a bunch? Uh, it's, I think, a little bit of both. I don't know if it's big, but it's definitely hard to find. Like, it was on Amazon for a while, but now it's just kind of falling off the face of the earth. Jason, Jason, yep, you're going to yep. you're gonna scold me. Uh, probably, but it's all right. Number 40. Here we go. Number 40 is a game that is all about tracks and moving up on tracks and trying to figure out how to get little bonuses and then use those bonuses and accomplishments to put feathers in your cap or books on your shelf. And this game <laughs> is Newton. I like this game a lot. Mechanically, it's an amazing game. It's so rock solid mechanically. It's just like three parts of a game. You can't do them all, but figure out how to balance doing the most of them that you can to get these books on your shelf and score a bunch of points. It's really themeless. I can't imagine how you can put a theme on this, to be honest. Like, uh, I what, what? What do you mean, dude? You're a scientist traveling around the world collecting things, <laughs> right? And then you employ <laughs> other scientists who get Collect money things. from the money path, and <laughs> then there's yeah. another group of scientists who are running around in like one of those rat mazes fighting scientific discoveries. <laughs> yeah, the theme is terrible, but. The game is really good. I agree. Yeah, I love it. It's really dry, pretty themeless, but it's a really mechanically sound game. Uh, 
and it's just got so much in it. It's one of those games that you can play it and play it differently every time. Your first twenty five plays probably, and every diff- every time you play, different cards come out. It's got like some minimal kind of deck building to it. That's kind of interesting. But then you're tucking those cards underneath there, and it's really interesting. When you play, like I think you and I, you and I played this one together a couple weeks ago, and you and I both had some like helpful hints for people who hadn't played, where it's like, hey, don't tuck this card, or else you're gonna have a bad time. Um, and there's just certain things you can't do in that game, or else you really mess yourself up. I like games like that. That whenever time you play them, you're just like, hey, I broke the game in a really bad way, and I can't even finish my turn. Like, and that definitely <laughs> will happen in Newton. So um, I don't know. It's a really cool game. It's got a lot of like rewards and punishment um for making good choices and bad choices i guess so newton number 40 yeah like you don't want to tuck your joker because that's bad news yeah that makes no sense <laughs> well, and then but, like, your book research yeah. card so like there's a card that researches that researches other cards to get add cards to your deck if you tuck that bad boy like you're kind of in trouble you're like okay i guess i gotta use my joker to buy cards for a while until i get a good card to yeah so stuff like that yep that's a good game. Good pick. Um, my number 40 is a game I think you've already talked about. I can't remember. It all runs together. And it's called Crusaders Thy Will Be Done. Um, so this is a game from TMG. It has um, a rondelle mechanism where you're moving these little discs around in this, this like Mancala thing. And you're taking action. So you're going to move your little guys across this board to be able to build some buildings. One of the actions you can take is build buildings. You may have to fight the people who are in that territory to score some points. And cause you have to kill the people that are there before you can build your building. It's a pretty straightforward game. It's seems more complicated than it is, but it's pretty solidly medium in a kind of a bigger package. So if you like really nice productions and games with Mancala, I would check this one out. So my number 40, Crusaders. Yeah, I like this game quite a bit too. Uh, it's a, it's a good game for sure, and it's one that it's weird. It was hot for a minute, and then I feel like it disappeared kind of. But yeah, yeah, I can I can see that it was yeah. Well, it's just every other every game's like that. <laughs> no, oh, you're four, not wrong. Four thousand games came out this year, so now I can't talk about any other games that came out last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are you, my granddad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, cool. Uh, speaking of hot new games that the teens are playing, my number 39 <laughs> is uh, Fortniteopoly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is probably pretty hot right now. Just kidding, teenagers. Don't jewel. It's not good for you. It's against the law. You know better. Stop it. Just stop yeah. it. Stop jeweling. Dun, 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 dun. I, th- I thought you said drooling at first. <laughs> That's you, bud. Oh. Uh. That's either way, I mean. man. I mean, really, e- either way. Okay. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Either way. So uh, my number 39 for real, though, it's one that I think you've talked about. And it's called Kingsburg. And I think my yeah. comment on it was, I like this game, except for I don't like flipping those little, the bad boys are coming to hurt me. I just want to be like, live in peace and build my kingdom. And I'm with you. I'm with you all day on that. Yeah. No, but I guess that it makes it a little more tense. Um. And actually, I think with the expansion, it's a little better than it was before. Like you kind of know what's coming a little bit, because um, I think it's with those. I think the with the expansion, you have the little like tiles you flip over, and you know that there's certain numbers in those tiles. Um, but without it, you have to roll a die, I think, and it's like completely random. So that's tough. But the expansion really makes this one to Forge a Realm. I think it's built into the new edition of the game. So right, I wouldn't is, yeah. get this game without to Forge a Realm. Um, so Crusaders with to Forge a Realm is number 39. Basically, you're, di- you're placing die, using them as currency to get other goods to build up your player mat, to make your fortresses and things in your kingdom a little better. So Kingsburg, number 39. Uh, like it a lot. Yep. I like it as well. My number 39 is a game from Matthias Kramer. Uh, he's the dude that did Glenmore. He's done some other games, but I can't remember, so I'm not going to sound dumb. But my 39 is Kraftwagen. And this is a game all about making old school cars, like from the, I don't know, 20s and 30s, we'll say, 40s. And what you're doing in this is it has a really cool action selection mechanism where the tiles, the action selection tiles move around in this, like, worm, this worm pattern. So 
whatever one is the farthest back that people have gone past then be, goes all the way to the front. So you can't get to it for a while until you start moving your token around the board. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build these cars. You're trying to sell them to certain types of buyers that want certain types of things like a good body, best value, um, the highest number engine, or the cheapest. And it, you're just trying to get the most money at the end of the game. There are some goal points that if you can do certain things first, you can get these extra points. So nice point salad game, but it's really fun and it has a cool auto parts theme that's not Kanban and easier to get other people into. So my number 39 is Kraftwagen. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's really got some chunks of Glenmore in it, um, which is kind of cool. Same same designer, Matthias Kramer, Matthias Kramer. Um, really good game. I, it didn't make my list. Um, in the top 100 at least because I haven't played it enough. I need to play it some more, but I really do enjoy it. It's kind of cool. It's amongst my favorite games that have superfluous racetracks in it. It's not, it's not the only one, but it's amongst them. <laughs> that is true. That racing is so tacked on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. And this was like a crazy good bargain game at one point too, like 11 bucks or something. So yeah, I don't know why it's a good game. It's a really good game. It. Um, I think maybe the design on it is a little like not colorful or something. I don't know. It doesn't have a lot of shelf appeal, but it's a no, good game. It really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Jason, I looked at your number 38, which says 48, but it's actually 38. Oh, um, yeah. It does list. say 48. <laughs> and I was like, hey, wait. That, no, that's not my game. Uh, my 38 <laughs> is one that I just played. And you know what? This one in Zulkin might be flopped. Uh, this one's Edge of Darkness. I like this game at two players a lot. Um, at three and four, it's not as good, but this is basically a card crafting game at its heart, but it's some other stuff as well. You basically are putting out 10 random sets of cards, kind of like akin to, uh, like Dominion where you randomize your starting set and then you're building a deck sort of. So you're putting these little transparent sleeves into your cards and then you're using these cards. And it's almost like, instead of your cards being cards that you play, it's almost like you're making an action selection board and you're doing the actions on your board because you only get three cards, maybe four. And so you're doing all these actions on there uh, and getting these powers. But amongst them are you're taking, you're taking your little trained servants and you're sticking them out on these little subboards that you put out. And so some of the things you can do are like for every servant you have on one area of the board, it gives you one extra defense when the big monsters come. Or if you have two people in this other location, you can pull them off the board and go attack the monsters. And there's all kinds of different like just combinations of things. Um, it's it's not bad. And you need money to do you know different things in the game. So you're trying to balance that. Everything's worth victory points at the end of the game. Um, it's just a really big behemoth of a game takes kind of a while to set up and tear down which is kind of a drawback but it's really unique it's real different from anything else i played um because it really it's seriously it's like you're crafting a set of actions not even like really card play um and it's it's pretty neat you play these three cards and then if you use some you can use other people's cards which is wild too so if you use someone else's cards they go back to their guild hall and they get to use them on their next turn kind of as like almost a little half freebie but then if it's just a neutral card or your card, it goes back to the discard pile, and then you do drafting. So you draft these cards to use in your turn, and you hope some good stuff comes out. So a lot going on there, a lot of pieces meshing together, and it does a pretty good job. It's one of those games, the first time you play it, the first three rounds, you're like, this is really lame. And then it gets better and better and better, and then the next time you play it, you're like, okay, I know what I'm gearing up for at the end, and it makes more sense to you, and you have more fun with it. So it's one that's worth like three or four plays, probably. Um, but Edge of Darkness is my number 38. Yeah, this is, isn't one I've played, and I probably won't. It sounds super convoluted, but it also seems kind of cool at the same time. But I don't think it's particularly going to be for me. Let me assure you, it's convoluted. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, so my number 38 is a game that's not super convoluted. It's uh, essentially just a worker placement game with some dice rolling to fight some baddies. And it is called Champions of Midgard plus both expansions, because I really like both expansions. Um, everybody knows what this game is probably, but if not, it's a worker placement game. You're sending these little Vikings out to certain spaces to collect different types of other Vikings to come join your Viking horde. I don't know what they're called. And then you're going to send those Vikings, which are dice out to battle some monsters in the mountains, some trolls, or send them out to the sea to fight some sea monsters. And they may get killed when they're fighting the monster. 
They may not. They may defeat the monster. But if they die and that the expansions, they get turned in. They go to Valhalla and then they give you some bonuses. Just a good game. It's again like Lords of Waterdeep, but adds a little bit more game and a little bit more randomness to it, which I kind of like the random. So my 38 is Champions of Midgard. Yeah, I, the more I play this, the more I'm like, it's not like Lords of Waterdeep to me personally. It's not really. The worker placement is essentially, but. Yeah, the fact yeah. that you're drafting people is kind of similar, but otherwise it's like your people go out and do work for you then. You know what I mean? Like, and that's. Right, yeah. That's so it's true. not like you're using the people to – well, you kind of are using the people to complete missions too when you go out in the ships. So, okay, just kidding. It's exactly like Lords of Waterdeep. Um, <laughs> Valhalla adds a ton to the game. I think it's really good without it. You should play it without it until you're tired of it and then add Valhalla because then it's not a totally different game, but it really is a different game because you don't feel like so worried about making choices to conserve your people. You know what I mean? Like you kind of want your people to die, um, which is – Kind of cool that we're going to segue into my number 37 game, Blood Rage, where you definitely <laughs> is, want people to die. Yeah, that is true. So in Blood Rage, it's basically a drafting game at its heart where you're drafting these cards in order to upgrade your kind of tribe or group of Norse people. And you're using that to do some area control on the board. Um, but then the way how it's kind of a twist are the cards you're drafting give you better powers and make you do better things than other people around the table. And there's like other extra miniatures that you can recruit to your group that do crazy things like eat the world and your people are going to die. There's a lot of bloodshed in this game, but they go to Valhalla. And so you don't mind so much because if your guys go to Valhalla, when the part of the continent falls off the earth, you're, you're doing okay. You're going to score some points with that. So um, it's really more about bringing honor to yourself and controlling this map. And sometimes by dying, you bring a lot of honor to your tribe. So um, pretty bad description of Blood Rage. But, I mean, to be honest, you probably played it, I guess, unless your name's Jason. Yeah, I think everybody who knows about this game has played this game except for me. I I don't know what it is. I just – it seems like it's a lot of fighting, so it just turned me off. So maybe someday I'll play it, but probably not. It, it is, but when you lose, you don't care as much in this one. But the other thing too is this game's like entirely miniatures. Like I honestly think they were like, let's make a let's make a vessel to put miniatures into a game, and then like we'll put a game around the idea that there's miniatures, and that's kind of what this game was. And cool mini or not, this is the game that kind of built cool mini, really. I think so. Uh, it kind of put them on the next level at least. Um, but yeah, it's drafting, area control, Vikings. It's cool. It's good. Um, yeah. For a better description, go over to our fan page where. Someone will describe it better than I just did. Uh, my number 37 is a game called Imaginarium. This is a game I picked up at Origins this year. It's um, a slow-burning engine builder, which by slow-burning, I mean takes a long time to develop. So you might take 10 to 20 turns to finally get that point engine going, but then after that, it flies by. So it, it's a lot of slow build, but then once you're built... The game's over pretty quickly after that. It has weird art, um, just a really weird theme. But if you like cool engine builders and like um, different kind of mechanisms where you're combining machines together to make resources into better resources, I would say check this one out. So my 37, Imaginarium. It's got like an elephant standing on a dinner plate. I know that much. That's true. Yep. It's That's... odd. <laughs> it's you odd. like it a lot, though. I do really like it. It's super fun. Uh, so when we had some disconnection issues, Jason, I was able to jump on my phone and do my turn of my next game that I'm playing uh, right now, currently online, which is called Indonesia. Uh, this is kind of a cool game. It's a splatter game. I like splatters quite a bit, it seems. Um, I like splatters because seriously, every splatter has like four pages of rules and then the game is like, oh, my, my brain hurts now. But the rules aren't that complicated in most of them, to be honest. So... Um, this one's kind of along the same lines. There's like some different phases where you're doing pretty simple stuff. You're uh, making a company grow and then shipping some goods to cities to get more money. Um, and then you're also trying to get people to use your ships as the shipping vessel they use. So uh, pretty neat, really, uh, overall. And I, I like it quite a bit. This is an older splatter. I think this one's probably, I don't know, it's probably pushing 15 years old. Um, but it's really cool. And the cool thing that uh, I personally like about it is one of the best ways to make money in this game is you run a really good company and then kind of run it geographically close to another company. And then eventually those companies will merge. And when they merge, there's an auction to acquire the newly merged company. 
And so since you're the original owner of one of the companies, you're going to get that money. Um, basically, they're going to divide the money based on the portions of the new company. So if I had a company that was like four sections big and you one that's six sections big, you'd get 60% of the money, I'd get 40. And I love economic games like that. But then also beyond that, like uh, you don't have to be one of the companies that's merging to buy the company. Like someone outside could buy the company and say, oh yeah, this merger is awesome. I'm going to pay 1 billion bot to do it or whatever the money is in the game. Um, so really cool game. Uh, everything I like about games, auctions, bidding, maps, uh, auctions and bidding tend to go together, but economics as well. Um, just figuring out like infrastructure and things like that. Really neat game. Uh, Indonesia. Yeah, I haven't played any splatters, not because I don't want to. I just, I think you're the only person I know that has some that's close to me. So, and then they're just, I just assume they're really long and that kind of turns me off too. When you say that I'm close to you, I, in my heart, want to believe that it means that we're dear friends. (laughs) Well, I mean, we are pretty good friends, but I mean, geographically. (laughs) We're about three and a half hours apart both in terms of heartstrings and geography. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I will say, if you want to go back to playing your Indonesia game, I'm going to talk about a game that you don't like. Yeah, I'm checking out. I'll give you a cue when we're done. So my number 36 is a game that I really do enjoy that Joel doesn't like so much, and it's called Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. And I've talked about this. There's a video on our YouTube channel you can check out. So this is another worker placement game because I like worker placement games where you're trying to collect body parts like organs and muscle and tissue and bones and all that and blood to try to make your own Frankenstein type monster. And uh, then you once you get it made, then you got to put skin on it. So you're going to try to collect some stuff again, but different types of stuff to get skin. And then you got to try to shock it to bring it to life. But it's a die roll for that. It may fail and make it damage and all that. And at the beginning of every round, there's an event that's going to happen that could help or hurt, maybe put some dead um, new bodies in the town hall because they got executed, so on and so forth. It's a good game. I enjoy it a lot. It's a little long, but they did just put out a new Igor variant, which makes it shorter. So that might help some of the people who don't like it. So my number 36, Abomination, Era of Frankenstein. Yeah, um, I just uh, did the operations phase on Indonesia. It was pretty good. Uh, I made my rice farm one section bigger. Uh, what were you talking about? <laughs> Nothing. You're number 35. Uh, no, um, Abomination, I didn't like because it was so, so long. And I think the new Igor edition or whatever it's called probably would be one that I wouldn't wouldn't mind too much. I think I might enjoy that, actually. Um, so we'll see. I, I might. I don't know. If you if you tag your copy along somewhere to a BGM con and we play Igor edition, I, I might like it. It sounds like the Igor kind of fixes some of the complaints I had about it, to be honest. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it addressed every complaint that everybody had. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of different changes. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think, I don't know, I'm going to stick by my criticisms. I think they were valid, and I think I'm not alone. So that's why the Igor did come out. So anyway, I'm not going to, listen, bud, our heartstrings are only three and a half hours apart. And so you're number 36. If it brings you, if it sparks joy and it brings you bliss, good for you, bud. Uh <laughs> My number 35, Jason, is a game I have talked about, but not on this top 100 list yet, because it's just now on there. And it was Uh one that you talked about earlier. It's Crusaders that will be done. Cool game. It's a rondelle, basically, where you're doing actions based on this rondelle, but then you've got a slight player power. So some people can move their little bits counterclockwise, not just clockwise. And some people can actually, it doesn't sound powerful, but when you pull your bits off the rondelle to say I'm doing this action and I have this many power, can put one of the bits right back into the empty spot, which feels like cheating. Like they all kind of feel like cheating. And they're pretty good powers, but they're pretty well balanced. But you're using that rondelle wheel to settle Europe, do some basic conflict, and then that whole Terra Mystica thing where you're uncovering symbols on the player board to try and make yourself better at every action. Uh, really a good game. It's light. It's forgotten, like we said, because it's like four weeks old now. But, man, is it worth playing. Go out and find a copy of Crusaders and enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to add more because I've already talked about it. But, yeah, I like this one quite a bit. All right, so my number 35 is a queen game, and it's about painting the Sistine Chapel, I believe. Maybe not, but it's about painting some mural on the ceiling. And it's called Fresco. 
And uh, I just recently played this one, and it reminded me why I like it so much. Um, in this game, um, you're using this worker to determine how early you're going to wake up. The earlier you wake up, the earlier you go in the round, but everything's more expensive. And if you wake up later, everything's cheaper, but you go last. And then after you pick that, you're going to put some workers behind this board to kind of program your movement of the stuff you want to do and how strong you want each action to be of the four actions. And then you'll move your little screen. Everybody takes their actions. You're going to be mixing paints. You're going to be um, painting portraits to get you some money. You're going to be moving up on like this morale track because when you wake up early, it makes you sad. So you got to kind of bump yourself up there and you're going to be painting the ceiling. So this is a really fun game action selection, semi-worker placement type game, and I like it a lot. So my number 35 is Fresco. This game, uh, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Hester, gets a real last laugh on this one. I remember having a real attitude when I was in second grade going, who, who, I've, I was a real cuss boy back then, so I'm not going to cuss. I'm just going to like let you guys imagine the curse words I said. But this is seven-year-old Joe standing on his desk going, who the cares about this what, why would I care what happens when I mix primary colors together? Well, looks like I needed to know if I'm going to play Fresco. Because red and yellow, I don't know what that makes, but I should have learned it. So anyway, <laughs> Fresco. Is it purple? Uh, red and yellow? Purple, right? Yeah, close. Orange. Nice try, though. Oh, darn it. I'm just... Good thing that it comes with that little cheat sheet, and it really does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Red and yellow makes orange. <laughs> red and blue makes purple that kind of thing yep hey jason quick quiz blue and yellow huh green huh green whoa this guy's a pro yep all right uh number 34 jason you sure you don't want to play some more what what makes the color nah, i'm good i'll pass all the colors brown <laughs> that's true most colors mixed with other colors are brown that's true Could but if be. you take two secondary colors that are on opposite sides of the color wheel it makes a brown I know when I was playing Scoville, pretty much everything mixed with anything makes a brown. Yeah. So, but two, but two browns makes a white. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of weird. Two browns makes a white. <laughs> yep. That's a toilet joke in there somewhere. Uh, all right. Uh, 34. All right. This is dumb. Uh, Jason, number 34. This is dumb that this game's this slow, too, I guess. I don't know. It's a good game, but it just looks so bad, bud. I, uh, this is one that I fought liking for a long time, and I'm still fighting it a little bit because it just... It looks like... It looks like a group of monks drew like art for a old book or something is what the art looks like in this game it's not that bad it looks like agricola it has the same kind of art as agricola yeah but all those gears and stuff too uh anyway that's uh, true that's true lorenzo il magnifico this game is i just don't like i don't like what's his name clemens france is that his name yeah i think so i don't like his art man all right moving on uh lorenzo <laughs> il magnifico it's uh it's a cool game it's um basically I guess I don't know how you describe this one. I, it's engine building, kind of deck building. Kinda, I don't know. Uh, you're putting down cards, trying to basically get better at all these different kinds of operations you can do. And there's a tower that has cards you can recruit to put into your kind of thing. Dice placement too. I didn't mention that part. But if I place my die on the in the tower and try and get a card from the tower first and sneak a couple things in before I run my machine, it'll be better, you know? So it's like, but then every time that you, you do that, someone goes and runs the machines before you get a chance and you're like, ah, darn, I should have done it last round. This, this game definitely to me makes me feel like more than any other game, like, ah, darn, I should have done that. Like I feel that almost every move it feels like, but it's just, there's a bunch of different actions you can do. You can go visit like the council. Like you put the die on the little like balcony looking thing. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I, I play the video game implementation more of it on steam than I do the actual board game. Cause you can play by yourself, but you can get like just a group of like various goods for placing a die in one area of the board. But then you like run the machinery in another part. And then there's towers with like different colors that kind of do different things for like how you're able to do different actions. So worst explanation ever, Jason, simplify what I just said and make it make sense. Uh, I will later. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
while you were talking, I was looking at Clemens, Clemens Franz. Basically, every game that I like almost has his art. So I'm just going to start looking for his art, and I'm going to assume it's going to be a game that I like. Every game that I resist playing for a long time and then I begrudgedly <laughs> say it's awesome is by him, too. Because <laughs> they just they do look really bad. I, I agree with you. Well, people love his art. I don't. Yeah, I don't particularly like it either. I don't know. I don't get it. It's And he's way better than me. Like, he's a professional artist. He's legit <laughs> a professional artist. Dude, this next game on your list, I am blown away by. Like, I'm really surprised you like it this much. Oh, yeah, I do like it. I I almost bought it. and I'm st- It's still in my cart. I'm, I may buy it. So it's my a number cheap th- boy right now. It is. It's like 28 bucks. Uh, my number 34 is a game by Alexander Pfister, and it is called Blackout Hong Kong. So this is a, a game that has the Mombasa card issue where you're playing some cards down in front of you to these <laughs> certain locations, and then you can only pick up one of the 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 rows at a time or something. Columns. Yeah, columns. Yeah, that's right, columns. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build... I can't remember. I've, I have only played it one time, but I know I liked it. You're trying to search these areas to get these pieces that give you points and other things. You're trying to get batteries so you can run some of your stuff. Another horrible explanation. But if you like Fister games and you like Great Western Trail and Mombasa, this is going to be a game you like. Um, but if you like Broom Service, maybe not. But if you like the other two, sure. 34, Blackout Hong Kong. But if you like Broom Service, you get a high five from Jason and I. Because you're the third person in the world who likes that game. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Even though it won the spiel. I mean, like, no one likes it now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, it's because it's ancient. That game's like four years old now. Um, it's true. So along with your explanation of it. Um, there was no explanation in my thing. I was just rambling incoherently. Well, like another part too. There's like basically kind of a rondelle a little bit where you like are putting your your actions down on kind of too. It's not really a rondelle, but it's like you're you're putting your resources in these different things too as the game goes on, and you're spending them. Um, but to basically secure and search different parts of the city, because the theme is there's a big blackout, and like you're a neighborhood organizer who's trying to like kind of secure your part of town. So, uh, and there's like doctors who can help injured people and I can't do any better than you Jason but I will say this this game would be really really well received I think if they didn't just really screw up the graphic design in this game it's, it's such bad graphic design it's a lot of black and purple that looks like red and red that looks like purple yeah, yeah. and good luck playing this game without brilliant sunlight shining directly on the board and figuring out which one's red which one's purple it's not quite that bad but it's pretty bad like you have to think about what color is what too yep. much for sure I agree it's a good game that you and I both can't describe very well, but it's, yeah, like you said, that Mombasa card thing where you're laying down cards, trying to gather sets of cards too to order in order to add more cards, like more people recruiting them to your neighborhood to try and help secure your neighborhood. And like, I think, I think this game was him trying to get some karma from Mombasa. I mean, we joke about Mombasa being about camping in Africa, but it's really not. I don't know if you knew that, Jason, or not, but it's about... Yeah, it's about some rough stuff. Yeah, it's it's definitely a heavy theme for sure. <laughs> this game, though, is about, like, I think the, it's the opposite of Mombasa. It's about trying to bring good to the neighborhood and keep people safe when the power went out yep. and keep there from being crime and stuff. So this is his spiritual karma, yin-yang, opposite of Mombasa with the same mechanics, kind of. So it's a little lighter than Mombasa 2, but I like it, too. I, I, I'm surprised you like it this much, to be honest, but yeah. Yeah, it might be my favorite feaster game, actually. Wow. I like it better than Broom Service, I think. I didn't really like Great Western Trail. Mombasa, the more I played it, the worse it got. So this might be my favorite. Cool. So I'm going to recap what I heard you say. Uh, You like Broom Service. Uh, Mombasa got worse with more plays, and that's all I heard. That's all you said. (laughs) Sure. That's all I said. We'll leave the other game off the list. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My number 33, Jason, is a game called Panamax. Which is, uh, you'd call it family weight, but it's a little bit heavier game to me. You're basically, uh, the theme of this game is that you're operating boats through the Panama Canal, getting basically cargo through the Panama Canal. Um, But it's a little more than that because you're moving ships and you get kind of like some bonuses for moving the ships. It's not like you're the cargo company. It's like you're the shipping company, but you also own the cargo at times. I don't know. It's, It's kind of a little convoluted on theme because when your cargo makes it through, you get 
some money for the cargo. I guess you are the shipping company, but you're running like a shipping company that's trying to get stuff through the Panama Canal using kind of creative movement. Um, but also like there's some like neutral ships that you can put your cargo onto. There's some ships that are like military ships that you just kind of can get depending on your relationship with that country's military, get some points for moving it through the canal, which doesn't feel like you're a shipping company, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you're running the Panama Canal. I don't know. I don't know what the theme's supposed to be in this game, but it's basically a bunch of dice moving ships through the Panama Canal, trying to get them through the best way you can to make your dice score points for you. Um, it's a lot of dice, and I think you'd like it, Jason. Um, and it's got some card play, some bonuses that you get from cards, too. Um, another awesome explanation brought to you by the board game mechanics, Panamax. <laughs> yeah, this is a game that I, I want to get. I almost got it last Black Friday, but by the time I got there, it was gone. Mammy said. Yeah. Uh, people compare it to Container, too, but I don't think really they're very similar. I mean, they've got a similar theme, like yeah. putting stuff on boats, but pretty different games. Yeah, that's cool. So my number 33 is a game that I'm pretty sure has already been on your list. I don't it know. Has. Yeah, everything runs together, like I said earlier. But it is Rajas of the Ganges. And I didn't really think this game would be this high for me, but I've played it a lot. And it always goes over well, and I always have a good time. So as I was doing the list, it just kept going up higher and higher and higher. And this is another worker placement game. But the twist to this one kind of is you're also signing dice with your workers because they're like the the money. So you have to take a worker, and you have to have a certain color of dice with a certain amount of pips in certain places. And then you're going to be able to take the action. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get as much money as possible and as much fame as possible because the game ends when the two tracks meet. And then if there's multiple people that meet, it's whoever has crossed the tracks the farthest is the winner. It's a really cool in-game mechanism that I haven't seen done in, I don't think, any other games. And it's genius. It's beautiful. It's a really fun game, and I like it a lot. So my number 33, Rajas of the Ganges. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good game, for sure. And I mentioned it, I think, last week, too. Uh, it's in my top 50. So, And it's, it's one of those games that's just kind of stuck around. Like, it was weird because it released last year outside of all the different shows and just kind of quietly came out. And it was R&R Games, which doesn't typically put out awesome games like this, to be honest. I'm yeah, not this trying is, to be rude to them. This is probably their opus so far, I think. Way out of their wheelhouse. I mean, well, Homestretch is definitely their best game. But um, this game <laughs> is a real close second. You're right. <laughs> So, oh man, yeah, uh, no, it's a great game for sure. Uh, Jason, my 32 is Union Pacific. This game has been re implemented as Airlines Europe. We may talk about that one later, but this one's basically uh, you're taking track cards and taking st- shares of stocks basically uh, in order to lay down more trains and build a network of trains. Um, it's it's been streamlined and made a little bit better as Airlines Europe. Um, and then you can actually play some variants of this game where you don't use the board even, which is kind of fun. But it's got a little extra layer of maybe a little bit of heaviness to it where you have to know what kind of tracks you're doing and it kind of balances the different companies. And then it has one company that is kind of like a faux company. Uh, it doesn't actually have trains on the board. And that company, I believe, is Union Pacific. So uh, pretty neat, though. Uh, a bunch of just different train tracks and train companies that you're trying to get majority ownership in to score a bunch of points. Um, when the scoring thing comes up, um, real similar to Airlines Europe, pretty well the same game. Um, so I probably will talk about this one a little more later. Um, and you've played Airlines Europe, Jason, I know, cause I made you play it. Um, but this one's just like a little extra shade of something extra on Airlines Europe. Like, is this heavier than Airlines Europe? Uh, just a little bit, but I'm not sure if it makes it better, heavier. It's just, there's an extra deck of cards that you have to pick from that have different kinds of tracks. So like in order to play down trains you have to have the right the right you know like uh track cards to put down in order to do it so like if i want to put down so there'd be like solid white track and so in order for me to put down a train on the solid white track one it has to be a company that's allowed to go on the solid white tracks but then two i have to have the solid white track cards to do it so it's like a little extra layer of thought um but not a ton um I, it's a little heavier but yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't get a feel for what you thought of Airlines Europe. I think you thought it was okay for what it is, but to you, it's like a children's game. No, I had a good time. It it's a, I like it better than Ticket to Ride because I feel like there was a little more going on, and it just felt more gamey to me. But yeah, I, I liked it just fine. It's not something I'd probably 
play a lot, but yeah, it, it yeah. was it was good. It's my go-to gateway. Like that's where I'm at with it. Like it's maybe the thing you play after playing a hobbyist game. The second one you play is Airlines Europe, and it hooks people pretty well. Um, and this one's really like a first cousin of that game. Same designer. This is a precursor to it. It's like a re-implementation is Airlines Europe. So I will talk about this one more later. Uh, anyway, 32 Union Pacific. That's cool. My 32 is a deck builder from Japanime Games, and it is called Heart of Crown. This might be my favorite deck builder on the list. I'm not 100% sure, but knowing what I have coming up, I would venture it's 99% accurate. And what you're doing in this game is it's normal deck builder fashion for the first half. So you're trying to use cards that you have in your hand to make your deck better by buying better cards. So when you run out of cards, you shuffle them all and the good good cards start coming up. Then there's a second half of the game where you're trying to back this princess who's trying to be the new queen of the area because the king or queen is dead or something. And when you do that, then you're going to start thinning out your deck with cards that you've purchased from the first half to try to get to 20 points. So you're trying to influence these senators, these um, dukes, and certain kinds of maids so you, they can go visit your queen and or your princess to try to help her become the new queen. So it's essentially Dominion with that second half of the game that really brings it alive. So I like it. It just makes a deck builder feel like more of a game. So that's why it's my number 32, Heart of Crown. Yeah, it's an interesting sounding game, to be honest. Um, Japanime, right? I mean, like, yeah, Japanime. Yep, yep, yep. Crazy cool deck builders. And I'm just thinking of one that I'm looking at on my shelf right now. It's uh, it's got to go up on the top shelf to be uh, away from the children, but um, <laughs> Heart of Crown is kid friendly too, which is nice. Yeah, no, Tanto Gore isn't actually that bad. Like that's what I was thinking of. Um, it's actually really good too, and I it gets like beat up for being a wafu game or something. I don't know, but it's uh, it's for sure like really good. <laughs> um, and there's in the base game, there's only one card that I'm like. Oh, that's weird that this girl is fluffing the pillows in such a strange way with her body. <laughs> but other than that, like the game's actually pretty like, oh, look, there's little adorable maids that you're getting that do actions for you. And yeah. then you can retire them to have a nice <laughs> retirement. I think if I could retheme Tanto Kore, it would be as horses. Like, I just like horse games a lot. I've oh, you determined. could do that. You really could do that. Yeah. Like you're buying different horses to go do like derbies and stuff. And then you put them out to pasture. Like, so uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool, actually. That's what I'm going to do. I'm pacing this bad boy up with horses. <laughs> Bojack Horseman style, like with, with feet and hands. Because all I want to do is put little horse head stickers on top of the maid. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, Heart of Crown sounds really cool, actually. I've never been interested in it until you just talked about it right now. It's good. It's like Tonto, but with that second half that really brings it alive. Yeah, uh, that is awesome. And you like it better than Tonto, huh? Yes. Better than Winter Romance? I'm pretty sure. I don't think Winter Romance is up higher than this. I think I already talked about Tonto, I believe. Uh, Jason, I get to live vicariously through Winter Romance. Refill, rekindle <laughs> that young love. <laughs> I do like Winter Romance, yes. It's good, man. Like, I, you guys warned me that they're good games. They are. They're, they're good games. Real good, man. I haven't been able to play Steamy Vacation yet. I don't think it's the real name of it. But <laughs> Romantic Vacation. I I kind of don't know if I want to play that one, to be honest. It's good. You need, you need to get... Uh, you have Oktoberfest, right? Uh-uh. Uh, Oktoberfest is good. Steamy Vacation's got some real wet maids. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing... I think there's one card, but they're playing volleyball, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The one that cracks me up in Steamy Vacation is there's, like, one of the maids is in, like, a bikini, but it's got, like, a French maid print on the bikini, and I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's it's absurd, but it's really funny. All right, Tonto Corey's not on the list. Heart of Crown is, and I apologize to Heart of Crown. You did not deserve that. I am sorry. All right, Heart of Crown. Uh, number 31, Jason, for me, is my favorite What's Your Game game. I'm pretty positive. It's Railroad Revolution. I like this one a lot. It's light for What's Your Game games, um, but you're basically doing like one of three things in this game. You're either basically building an infrastructure of railroads, 
uh, trying to improve your standing with like different companies or like investing in the telegraph. And you get little rewards for doing it. If you're the first person to establish into a, sta- a certain station, you get a little better reward. If you come later, you get still get a reward, but not as good probably. Um, but you just are just trying to establish a network of railroads. Um, but balance that with the telegraph, which I guess went along with the train track. So thematically it works, but it's done in just generally like what's your game style with an extra layer of like thinkiness and just good, rich, strong feeling gameplay. Yeah. I like this game. I think I already talked about it. I think you did too, but it's, I feel like this is like, uh, when the Italian dudes play ticket to ride, uh, they were like, ah, let's make council of four. And I think when what's your game played ticket to ride, they were like, okay, this is okay, but here we go. Railroad revolution. This is the game (laughs) it should be. It's not my favorite game by them, but it is really good. I got, I think I have one I like better. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out which one it is. You probably haven't talked about it yet, so I won't spoil it, but yeah. I have a guess. I'm making a guess right now. I'm writing it down in a figurative envelope and sealing it, and I'll unseal it when the time comes for you to talk about that game, and I'll make my guess. Sounds good. But right now, I'm going to talk about my number 31, which is not a What's Your Game game, and it is called Xi'an, or I think that's how you say it, X-I apostrophe A-N. And this is a game from, I think, Surf and Meeple or something like that, and... (laughs) What, what you're doing in this game is you are playing some cards down to take these actions. And the ultimate goal is you're trying to build new terracotta warriors and paint the terracotta warriors in your color. I don't know why, but that's just what you're doing. To try to get these like area majorities of more of your color next to each other to score a bunch of points. Uh, and you're doing this through a cool like card play mechanism where you're going to spin two cards. One card is going to determine how high, how quick your action fires. So high number fires first, low number fires second. And then the second card on the top of it is going to be what action you're taking. So when you play your card, you're going to get to take an action. And then you're going to move your little pawn to one of these four areas. It's going to let you build some terracotta warriors. Um, I think get some money, buy some weapons, and do some painting. And you're going to do this over 12 rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end of the game is a winner. If you like um, interesting card games with some kind of trying to outthink your opponents and a really cool like set collection stuff, I recommend this game. My description was terrible, but this is a super fun game, and I like it quite a bit, and it's super under the radar and could be pretty cheap. I don't know, but I like it. So my 31 is Xi'an. Yeah, it sounds cool. It looks cool on the table, too. It looks a little like uh, Onitama or something like that on the table, like from the pictures I've seen. Am I thinking of the right game here? Uh, yes, it does kind of look like that. The board has that same kind of grid-looking thing. Yeah. Now, the one I won't play is uh, Xi'an, or Xi'an, however you want to say it, uh, Steamy Romance Vacation, <laughs> where the little terracotta warriors are in, like, bikinis. Like, I won't play that one. Like, that one's yeah, out that, of bounds for me. That would be awkward. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you do love this game, though. Um, and I think this one's newer to you, right? Uh, I've had it for, I don't know. Months. Five or six months, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was new to you in 2019 game. Correct, yes. And that, this is pretty high for that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot. Not abstract at all. It's like a real game. Oh, gotcha. Abstract games are not real games. That's that's a hot take. That's something. <laughs> no, only time is fine, but this game is... Way better, in my opinion. Okay, I'm going to have a hot take, too. Onitama is not fine. I, I like it. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's okay. It's Again, it's an abstract game, which isn't real. <laughs> I mean, yes. For a not real game, it's fun. <laughs> I really don't like abstracts. I'm trying to think what my favorite abstract is. Probably Dragon Castle, honestly. I like the old school ones, like Othello and Batgammon and stuff. Like, I just think those were fine, so why do we need to keep making more? Yeah. Backgammon Winter Romance is really good, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, we don't do the best with game descriptions, but if you watch anyone else's like top 10 lists, they're like basically this. Fresco, in this game, you're a painter and you're collecting paint. Number, number 34, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, you're Drafting people to be a part of your kingdom and make the machines run. I, like, I don't think we're doing much worse than other people, but boy, it sure isn't good. <laughs> I mean, the bar is low, so we're just trying to be at the bar. Zulkin, there's some big plastic plates that you spin. 
if all else fails, you say you're taking a bunch of actions to try to score a bunch of points. And then you're probably pretty accurate at that point. And then you throw the word elegant in there. <laughs> elegant. It's an elegant game of plate spinning. <laughs> Where you collect a bunch of points. Yeah. And do, uh, do some variable actions. Just throw the buzz phrases in there. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, I guess I better say I've been Joel because, boy, <laughs> this one's not going to put itself to bed. <laughs> no, it is not. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Yep, and please don't unsub. Please, <laughs> they won't, man. We've got over this. Yeah, we have. <laughs> thank no, seriously though. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. <laughs> at some at some point, we'll be good. I promise. Like we know that you're you're listening to us based on the podcast futures market, where you think at some point we'll be good, and we will. We're gonna keep trying. I promise. <laughs> Oh man! All right, I've been Joel and keep gaming. And he already said his part. It's it's your dude, Jason. What's up, people? I'm Jason. Uh, hey guys, gaming. what's going on? It is Jason. Keep gaming. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Hello, my name is. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Jason. <laughs>